Father in heaven, we open our hearts to you. We thank you, you have called us. We thank you, Lord, with a great calling to make an influence and a difference in the nation in which we live. And so, Lord, we open our hearts that today you would teach us. We want to learn. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come to open our understanding to things we haven't understood before, to give us insight to things which we have not seen at all before, and to impart to us strength and a, a commitment and a passion to come to a whole new level in our relationship with you and our walk with you. We need your help. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your grace upon us today. I pray for every leader here that as we walk through the process of transition, that you will strengthen us inside with mighty strength in the inner man. We pray, Lord, that every leader here will succeed in making transition to the changes that you want the church to come into. And Lord, we just commit the uh, senior leadership. Uh, we pray for the leadership team, the senior pastor, Lord, for wisdom in leading the church through change. Lord, we give you the honor and the glory, commit our time to you this afternoon, and thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So today I want to share with you over two or three sessions, I want to share with you uh, a message called Developing Your Spirit Man developing your spirit man and uh, most people know that they have a spirit uh, we have awareness of that but we're not sure really about its function and we're not really sure of its importance neither are we sure how to actually grow or develop in our spirit but uh, the Bible is very clear about the importance of your inner life and so I want to share with you and lay with you, first of all, some foundations so we can understand how God has designed us to function. Then once you realize how God has designed us to function, then it's quite natural and normal to do certain things. And if you're not doing those things, then there's probably some blockage of some kind, a blockage in understanding or a spiritual blockage. So I hope to remove blockages in understanding and later on, we'll pray and help you break through if there are spiritual blockages. And I want you to understand about the realm of the spirit, particularly today, your spirit man and its function in your life. So if we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you notice now, Paul is talking about how we are made up. And he refers to us as spirit, soul, and body. Notice the order, spirit, soul, and body. God has created us in his image and likeness. Uh, we are, God is a spirit, the Bible says. John chapter 4, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God is a spirit. If we've been created in the image of God, we are a spirit being. So at the core of who you are, you are a spirit being. Made in the image, the substance of God. You're a spirit being. God is a spirit. But God has placed us, given us a soul. It says God breathed into man his life, and man became a living soul. So we also have a soul. And God has placed us inside a body. So here you are, spirit and soul living inside a body. You are a human being. Now, we need to understand that 
uh, our body has certain functions. God's designed our body to function in a certain way. So, for example, you have five natural senses. The only way you can interact with the physical world is through your senses. So we can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch, we can smell. And those senses enable us to connect with the physical world around us. So your natural senses enable you to communicate, to connect with and interact with the physical world. If one of those senses is missing, your life is considerably restricted. If you have no sight, for example, then you live in a world of darkness and so much of life's beauty is not able to be enjoyed or encountered. So we have five natural senses. Your body enables you to connect with the physical world. And the information from the physical world via your senses comes into your soul where you build up experiences and every time you have a, a sensation, you connect that sensation with a memory of some previous experience. That's how we learn. It's very natural. And we can understand spiritual things by looking at natural things. So, for example, when I first came to, to, to Singapore, uh, one of the first things I noticed was there was a smell that I haven't ever smelled before. What is that? That is dreadful. And sometimes I'd find in some parts of the city, whoa, there it is again. What is that? And someone showed me durian. I had never seen a durian before. So when I smelt, I had no reference point that I could identify what I was picking up. No reference point at all. So when someone showed me the fruit and I smelt the smell and they told me about the fruit, I then had an experience and a memory and I could attach now the memory to that sensation. So next time I came to Singapore, I was with someone. They said, what's that smell? Oh, that's durian. So, in other words, through experiences in life, we begin to build up a memory storage, we begin to build up a capacity to connect what we sense with something we know about. Now, your spirit man is designed to connect with the spiritual world. Your spirit man is designed to connect with the spirit world. So, your spirit man has a form, has a shape, and has spiritual senses. Just like your physical body has physical senses, your spiritual man has a, has a spiritual shape and it has spiritual senses. Now, what we'll do is we're just going to have a look at a, uh, at a scripture in Luke, in, uh, Luke chapter 16. And uh, I want to show you how your spirit man has a shape, a distinct shape. And the shape of your spirit man is just like the shape of your body. It's very similar. So, we read in Luke chapter 16. Now, Jesus is speaking, and his topic here that he's talking about is uh, what happens to, in life after death. And so, he uses the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man. And we won't go into all the details of the story. I want to draw out for you things which Jesus himself taught. The first thing to notice is this is not a parable. If it was a parable, Jesus would have said so. Whenever Jesus spoke a parable, he almost always indicated that this is a parable, just a story to illustrate a truth. He didn't say that about the story. He said, there was a certain rich man who was clothed with purple fare and linen fed sumptuously every day. There's a certain beggar named Lazarus. So it actually names the person. So this is a real person, Lazarus. And because God 
reserves the right as to determine where people go for eternity. doesn't say anything about who the rich man is. Now, I want you to see what happened. It says, verse 22, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. Now, notice this. Being in torments in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, you remember in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus, evil things. Now he's comforted and you are tormented. Now, we're not going to go into all the teaching in this. I want to just highlight just a couple of things. The thing is that the man has died and he's been buried. What part of him was buried? His body was buried. Okay, so what part of him are we seeing now or hearing about? His spirit and his soul. So God has designed your soul so it's deeply attached to your spirit. When a person dies, all that happens is the person leaves their body. But the person still is there. It's a spirit man. So you notice several things about this person in eternity. You notice the first thing, he's in torment, so he has emotions. Your spirit man has emotions, can feel sensations. Notice also, it says, he lifted up his eyes. So your spirit man has eyes that can see. You have spiritual eyes. Your spiritual man has spiritual eyes. You have the capacity to see in the realm of the spirit. So why don't I see more in the realm of the spirit? Why? Because mostly I'm looking through natural eyes. But God can open my spiritual eyes to see things of the spirit. He can actually override totally the natural. So with an open eye, you can see into the spirit world sometimes. There are many accounts of that in the Bible. So you notice he has eyes. He lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off. And he cried out, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. Notice then, finger. So your spirit man has fingers. And then it says, dip the finger, tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. So the spirit man has a tongue. So you notice now, as you observe this, you can't help but come to the conclusion that your spirit man looks very similar to your natural man. In fact, the best way to describe it is like this. If I put a glove on my hand, you would see the glove moving, you'd see the fingers moving, but you wouldn't see my hand, which has filled the glove. And my hand filling the glove is what's making the glove work. And that's like our physical body. Our physical body is like a glove in which your spirit man fits. And when you die, it's like your, the glove is removed. When you remove a glove, it's just empty. It's just like a ray. It's just non-functional. You put the glove back on your hand, and now it starts to move, and it can do things. So when you die, it's like your hand is removed from a glove. Your spirit man and, uh, and soul leaves your body, and so there's nothing to animate your body. Your body just falls to the ground, and your body has no function anymore. So notice now our spirit man fits inside our natural man, and our spirit man has capacity to see things of the spirit, to hear things of the spirit, to hear the voice of God, hear the voice of demons. We have the capacity to, to, to feel or to touch the presence of God, to touch the presence of eternal realities. We have the capacity to taste or, or sense uh, or smell things of eternity. I remember the first time 
Uh, one of the first times I was in Singapore, I had a major deliverance meeting, and we were praying against unclean spirits. And as I commanded the spirits to come out of this crowd of people, there was this horrendous smell came up. And I realized I'd never smelt that in my life before. It was, a, it was the smell, something like sulfur. But it was all these unclean spirits leaving. And so uh, I had that unique experience of being able to smell something that I couldn't see. It was my spiritual senses. God had just given me an insight to it. I remember being in a church meeting one day, and we were worshiping, and I was just had my eyes closed, and, and uh, we were all worshiping the Lord. And I oh, someone's coming with flowers. And I looked around near me to see who was wearing flowers or had bought flowers. There's no one with flowers. And so everyone's worshiping. Where is that flower smell coming from? And it was a sweet, sweet smell like roses. And it was filling the room. And it took me a little while to realize, oh, it's not flowers. It's the rose of Sharon. The presence of Jesus is here. And I am sensing him by smell. I'm aware of his presence. Before I wasn't aware of his presence, suddenly I become aware because my spiritual sense picked it up. But these are just some stories or some examples. So we see then that you are a, you are a spirit being with a soul. Your soul carries your mind, your will, your emotions. It carries your personality. It carries your memories. Notice that the rich man could remember his life on earth. He remembered the friends he had. So in eternity, you have memories. You don't just lose everything when you die. You have memories. So we begin to see from this teaching of Jesus, we get insight about the nature of man, that you are a spirit man living in a body. Now, let me ask you this. Can you become more human than you are? Is there anything you can do to become more a human being? No, you can't do anything. You are a human being. Okay, then is there anything you can do to become more spiritual? No, there isn't. You are a spiritual being. You can't do anything to make yourself more human being. You can't do anything to make yourself more spiritual. You already are a spiritual being. In fact, when people try to become more spiritual, they end up being very religious, and you just kind of want to avoid them because of the way they behave. They become quite offensive. They're not being more spiritual. They're just being religious. So now we see that we are a spirit being living in a body. Now, if you are a spirit being, then we need to understand then about the nature of our spirit and some things about our spirit. I want you to have a look at this in, uh, one in, in Ephesians 3, verse 16. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. And Paul is praying in verse 16 through to verse uh, 18. And he is praying for the Christians. He's not praying for the world. He's praying for believers. And he's, this is what he's praying. He said that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So he's praying now that God would give you something. So something that you can receive from God. Paul is praying that you would receive something. Here it is. That you would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, when he's talking to the inner man, he's talking about your soul and spirit. He's talking about inner man. Often it's referring to the spirit. Peter referred to it as the hidden man of the heart, the inward man. Paul writes of it in 2 Corinthians 4. So in two or three places in the Bible, it talks about the inner man, the inner man of the heart, or the hidden man of the heart, or the inward man. But it's referring 
to your spirit being, the inner man of the heart, the unseen man. And he's praying that God would uh, strengthen you with might through his spirit and the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's praying for several things. We're not going to look at them all. I want to look at the first one and I want you to see what the purpose is. His desire is for us to be filled with God. His desire and his plan is we be filled with God. Filled with more of God than we currently held. Now you notice he begins that by saying or praying that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the word strengthen means this. It means to empower or to increase your vitality. So he's praying that your power and vitality on the inside would increase. That's exciting thought, isn't it, eh? Who would like more of that? Greater vitality and power on the inside. That's what he's praying. He's praying that God would strengthen you, see, to empower or increase your vigor on the inside. Increase you with what? The word might is the word dunamis. That word in the Bible always refers to the power of God. Dunamis is the supernatural power of God. It's not something natural. So what he's saying is, I am praying, believers, that you would be invigorated, come alive, be energized by the supernatural power of God. And how does that come? It comes through the Spirit. And where does it come? Where the Holy Ghost is joined, your spirit man. So what he's praying for is that our inner man increase in vitality and energy and capacity by an impartation from the Holy Spirit. Now, as we look through today's teaching, you're going to see that that does not just come about by coming to the front in an altar call and by someone laying hands on you. Certainly, you do get an impartation and it helps, but there is something you can do that results in you being strengthened with vitality in the inner man by the Holy Ghost. It's something that you can do. It's something only you can do. It's something no one can do for you. So it is a choice. Now, just because Paul prayed it doesn't mean it'll happen. There's always a part we play in prayers being answered. So we see then that you can be strengthened in your inward man or enlarged in bigger vitality. Now, I look around the church, and I look, there's a real need for the church to be much more invigorated with vitality. I look around, and a lot of people are just sort of dull, shut down. There's no inward power and life inside them. Something is not like this verse here. See, he's, he, this is what he's praying for, that you would be full of vigor. You ever seen a person full of vigor? They're vibrant, they're alive, it shows in them. They're not sort of shut down, passive, quiet, and, and living actually in bondage or below the potential that Christ has. So we see then your inner man can be built up, strengthened, and greatly empowered by the Holy Ghost. So the question will be shortly, how does that happen? I'm glad you asked that question because I want to answer that question, how it happens. 
And, uh, but before we do that, I want to uh, look then at the functions of your spirit. So what functions does your spirit have? I want us to understand a little more about our spirit so that when we, we know what our spirit does, we begin to see the importance of developing this part of our life. You cannot overcome the flesh except by the spirit. You can't. You can try hard, but you'll always fail. Nine times out of ten you'll succeed, tenth time you fail. You can't overcome the problems we have in the flesh by just willpower. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus promised to give us the Holy Ghost. He promised he would give us someone who would live inside us to give us the victory, to help us. So the very first thing that happens is when the church comes together to pray, Jesus said, don't even think about starting your mission unless you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet, somehow it's been sidelined like it isn't important. It is extremely important. Now let's have a look then at the functions of our spirit. I want to list for you several that I've identified. There may be more, and maybe, you know, uh, you can expand on these yourself. Anyway, let me just give you the first, the first, one of the first functions. What is the purpose of my spirit? One of the first functions of your spirit is to keep you alive. Is to keep you alive. Now, your body without your spirit is dead, it says in James 2 verse 26. So, one important function of your body is this that your spirit, it keeps your body alive. If your spirit departs from your body, your body dies. You're dead. So it must be very important, your spirit. It's keeping you alive. The only thing in keeping you alive and present inside that body is your spirit. Your spirit goes, you're dead. You've gone to another place. You've gone out of the physical realm. So your spirit keeps your body alive. Second thing is, your spirit assists keeping your body healthy. Your spirit assists. It isn't the only thing that keeps your body healthy. A good diet keeps it healthy too. Exercise keeps it healthy as well. But your spirit helps keep your body healthy. Why? In Proverbs 17, 22, it tells us that a broken spirit dries the bones. In other words, it's saying that if your spirit is damaged or broken or crushed or hurt in some way, that the impact then is that there is a loss of vitality in your body. Something happens in your body. And your body is prone to sickness. So I've noticed this, that where people have been deeply abused or deeply wounded internally in their spirit, often they're more prone to sickness. And they keep getting sick. And sometimes the reason they keep getting sick is that there is a loss of energy and vitality in their spirit, and it manifests in various weaknesses around in the body. Here's a third thing in Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Now, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, illuminating all the inner parts of a man. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. So, your spirit is used by God to light up your inner life. Your spirit is used to light up your inner life, to illuminate your inner life. How many have just sometimes had just a flash of ideas or a flash of insight that they had never even thought of, it just came to them? Or sometimes, for example, you went to bed thinking about an issue, you woke up in the morning and suddenly you've got the idea there, this has come from your spirit. Your spirit doesn't sleep. 
And so the Bible tells us then that the spirit of man, or the, the, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of the belly, or literally searching the rooms of the belly. When the Bible's talking about belly, it's talking about your inward motivations, it's talking about your deepest uh, motivations and drives. So your spirit searches what goes on inside you. Your spirit knows what's going on inside you, and it's the lamp of the Lord. So your spirit illuminates your mind with ideas. So when your spirit is alive and energized, you, have a, you get ideas. A lot of the intuitive ideas we get, we call it intuitive. We didn't think it out or work it out. It just popped into our mind, comes from our spirit. Okay then, so here's a, another uh, example, uh, uh, another activity of our spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. Your spirit knows the things that are going on in your life. Who knows the things of man but the spirit of man within him? So your spirit also can reveal the motivations of your life. Your spirit can actually reveal because it knows why you're really doing something. You can fool me while you're doing it. You can fool the people next to you while you're doing it. But in your heart, in your spirit, you truly know why you're doing it. You may not be aware of it, but your spirit knows. And so there's a part of your spirit knows why you really do things. Spirit of man, who knows the things of man, save the spirit of man inside him. In, uh, in Psalm 77 verse 6, uh, Paul, uh, David writes, and he talks about uh, my spirit made diligent search. So he began to search his inner heart as to why he was doing things. So your spirit also helps reveal to you why you are doing things, your motivations and what's going on inside your heart. In Proverbs 4, uh, sorry, John 4, 23, here's another function of your spirit. Your spirit is also designed to worship God. Those who worship God, John 4, 23, uh, must worship him in spirit as well as in truth. So your, your spirit is designed to be able to worship God. Now, it's so designed to worship God that if it doesn't worship God, it finds a substitute. It'll seek for something to fill the gap. So in the end, most of the problems people have in their life are, are idolatry of some form or another where we find a substitute for God. So your spirit has got a unique capacity to flow and bond with God. And if it doesn't flow and bond with God, spirit to spirit, it will flow and seek to bond with some substitute. That's why idolatry is a problem. Idolatry really is just a substitute for God. Your spirit is made for God. You know, God, in, in Ecclesiastes it said, God has put eternity in their hearts. So your spirit is a part that can only ever find fulfillment if it's actually connected to God and is in a flow of intimacy and worship. Your spirit yearns for intimacy with God, yearns. It, your spirit is designed to flow and bond with the Holy Ghost, with God. That's why when we get born again, God's spirit comes in and becomes bonded to our spirit. We're made to be joined to God. Your spirit doesn't function properly unless it's joined to God. Okay, so there's another thing. All right, now here's another um, uh, uh, function of our spirit. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, your spirit enables you to bond with people. Your spirit enables you to bond and connect with people. 
It says, <clears throat> it's talking about the new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says, Now therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known him, Christ, according to the flesh. We know him like this no longer. So you notice here, he knew Christ after the flesh. In other words, he'd seen the physical flesh. He says, now we know him after the spirit. So it's possible for you to know people by listening to the flows of your spirit. Let me just talk a little bit more about that. When a person is open in their heart, and when a person is revealing who they're really like, you feel a flow from their spirit, particularly in church. We bond to one another. We begin to form relationships where there's a flow. If a person builds a wall around their soul, they will withhold their spirit from you, and you don't really know who you're connecting with. All you know is the image that they're putting up in front of you. So many people wear an image of something they would like to be looking like, and when you try and connect with them, you don't connect with the real person. So we're designed for authentic relationship. An authentic relationship, you feel the person's spirit. You can actually feel a flow one to another. So for example, I have on some occasions been walking through a shopping area, talking with my wife, and suddenly I become aware something has changed. Now, I'm still talking, but I'm aware something has changed. What has changed is she's just gone down an alleyway now, and I'm now talking to myself there's nothing happening. There's, there's something that you can feel the change. You can actually feel the change. If you're talking to someone and they open their heart and you start to really connect with one another, you feel a flow of energy, a flow of life, ideas come, and you walk away from that and you are really built up. You really feel, man, that was a great time we had together. We just shared backwards and forwards. There was a flow from one person's spirit to the other and you feel connected and you feel refreshed. When you get near someone, and their life is blocked off, and you feel like you're talking to a wall, you feel quite drained, there's no flow, no connection, and you actually get quite keen for that conversation to be over so you can leave. So we're designed to connect with one another at a heart level, at a spirit level. Have you ever been uh, with someone, and uh, you, you came to meet someone, and as you met them, you felt, well, there's something really wrong in that person. I can sense it. Then the next thought that comes is, I shouldn't think that way. The first thought was your spirit registering something is not right in this person. I remember a man came into church one day, like I'd normally do, went in and just welcomed him, shook his hand. The moment I held his hand and looked in his eyes, as I heard myself saying the words, hi, welcome to church today, I felt in my spirit there's something really wrong with this man. And I asked the Lord, he said, uh, he, he will steal off people. And sure enough, within two or three days, he committed fraud on two or three people. I was in a, another place, uh, we had another woman come into church and actually were baptizing. As we baptized her, the Lord said, be careful, there's a spirit operates through her and she doesn't know about it yet. So our spirit can alert us to what's going on with people. We feel the flow. So if someone's walled off, there is no flow in your spirit. Communication is not very enjoyable. In, in marriage, in intimate, I won't go into this area, but for example, in marriage, sexual intimacy is not just about physical connection, it's also about the spirit of one person flowing and touching the other person's spirit so they feel the connectedness one to another. Blocks in the soul or walls in the soul can stop that level of intimacy happening. 
So your spirit is designed to flow, not just to God and bond to God, but to flow to your spouse, to flow out to your children, and to flow in the body of Christ where we get to know one another and get to form relationships. Have you ever noticed when something goes wrong in a person, you get to meet with them again now that it feels like there's a wall? What is it? You, what part of you is feeling that wall? It's your spirit. Your spirit recognizes there is a wall perhaps of offense and now you can feel as though, yes, the person's smiling, yes, the person's talking, but you can feel the presence of an invisible wall. What part of you is feeling that? Your spirit is feeling that. So your spirit is a very important part in your life. And finally, of course, your spirit is designed, and one of its great functions is its capacity to commune with God in prayer, to fellowship with God in prayer, and to pick up from God, or intuitively pick up from God, uh, revelation and insight. So there's a number of functions of your spirit. So you see your spirit is far more important than you thought. And therefore, we need to understand then about our spirit and how to develop our spirit, which we'll get onto shortly. So here's the next thing I want to share. I want to share with you, your spirit can experience a whole number of sensations. So your spirit can pick things up. You can feel things. Now, I have discovered in working with people, most people have had a number of experiences where their spirit sensed something, picked something up or felt something. They just often don't stop to evaluate what did happen, what did I pick up, and what part of me picked it up. We, we just haven't trained ourselves to be sensitive. In uh, Paul, in, in the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews 5 verse 14, uh, the complaint he has there is they have remained spiritually immature because they have not exercised their senses. He's talking about spiritual senses. So we can develop our spiritual senses. So I want to share with you just a, a number of things, just very quickly, of sensations or experiences your spirit can feel. And uh, I'll give some scripture references to some of them, and uh, uh, some of them may just come from personal experience. So uh, first of all, in Proverbs 15, 13, your spirit can be broken. It can feel a blow or a hit or a knock. So your spirit can be broken, it can be actually damaged. How does your spirit get damaged? Mostly it gets damaged by the words people speak. Because Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit, but my words bring life. So when someone, for example, we have prayed for many uh, teenagers who have been deeply scolded by their parents. Scolding is a manifestation of anger designed to beat the person verbally and chain them down. And what happens is it wounds the spirit of a person. So I've seen many people have been wounded in their spirit. So your spirit can be wounded by the words people speak. Uh, second thing is, your spirit, so your spirit can be broken, spirit can be wounded. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, it tells us your spirit can be defiled. In other words, it can become polluted, we become bitter inside, we become affected by things negatively. Uh, uh, verse in Psalm 77, verse 3, Paul uh, uh, David is writing, and he said, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. So you can be absolutely overwhelmed. When a person's overwhelmed, it's almost like they retreat inside themselves, and there's no, you can't connect with the person. They're overwhelmed, usually in their soul with the problems of life. Uh, in Isaiah 54, verse 6, your spirit can be grieved. You can feel tremendous grief inside your spirit. Sometimes you grieve over some things that have been done that are wrong, or you may grieve over an injustice, or 
you may feel as you as you pray the grief of God. You feel it in your spirit. That so your spirit can be grieved. In Acts 17, verse 6, it says Paul's spirit was stirred. You can feel stirred on the inside to want to get up and do something. You can feel something arise inside you and you want to do something. You, your spirit is stirred, although your mind isn't quite clear perhaps what the actions are. See, spirit can be stirred. In John 13, verse 21, it says, John 13, 21, Jesus' spirit was troubled. He was agitated. He was uh, stirred up by what he could see around him. So your spirit can become agitated or stirred. Uh, in Luke 2, verse 40 uh, and verse 52, it tells us that uh, John and Jesus, it says, they grew strong in spirit. So your spirit become, can grow strong. Notice, it doesn't become strong just by someone laying hands. They grew strong. So your spirit, he became strong in spirit. Your spirit can become very strong. Some people have got a very weak spirit undeveloped. Some people have got a very strong spirit. They've developed their spirit. Some people have got a strong body. They've developed their body. Some people have got a weak body. They've neglected their body. So your spirit can become strong. So those are some, your spirit can flow. John 7, 37, Jesus said, out of your innermost being, he's talking about your spirit, will flow the life of God. So your spirit has the capacity to flow out of your body and begin to create an atmosphere that touches people. When you, when you let go what's in your heart, the anointing of the Spirit flows with you because you're joined one spirit with the Lord. So those are some things. And finally, our spirit can sense spiritual sensations. You can sense demonic activity. You may feel agitated. You may feel an oppression or heaviness. So your spirit can feel spiritual activity. Sometimes we come into a church and you say, whoa, I just feel the presence of God. So your spirit can sense God's presence, can sense demonic presence. Have you ever noticed, have you ever walked into someone's house, they welcomed you in and they were very polite, but you could feel tension in the atmosphere. How did you feel that tension? You felt it in your spirit. What was the tension? It was probably demonic activity because of words spoken, angry words that have filled the atmosphere and given demons room to move in there. You felt it in your spirit. So your spirit has a whole number of sensations and you can train or develop your spirit to become more sensitive to various sensations, various things. Now, what I want to share shortly is I want to share shortly in the next session, I want to share then how would you go about developing your spirit? How would you go about building your spirit man? What we'll do now is we'll take a break for just a little bit, and then we'll, next session we come back, we'll share about what can you do to build or develop your spirit man? How can you develop that part inside of you that is so important to your functioning as a spiritual being. Amen? So let's just take a break right now, and then after the session, we'll have a look then at building your spirit man.